Hey, ladies. This is a very special uh, episode. We are supporting one of the women in our group, Lori, who recently lost her granddaughter um, last month. So this is a very, you know, a hard episode. But we want to support her and help her and her amazing family. So I just invite you to listen to this episode, share it with someone that needs to hear it. And let's do what we can to support this family in their loss in what they're feeling right now. So uh, listen to the episode and, um, you know, just op- listen with an open heart, bring some tissues because it is a tearjerker. All right. Let's listen to Lori's story. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so today we have a, a very special episode. I have a woman who joined our program about a year ago, I think, and had some, you know, some life stuff happen. And so we're going to share a legacy of things that can happen when you're in the middle of doing other plans. And um, I wanted to bring her on the show to try to support her and help her family with what they're going through right now. And it's going to be a tough episode, um, but we are a group of women, grandmothers, mothers, and we want to support her in the best we can. So, Lori, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, Lori, you joined the program a year ago. I think it's been about a year, right? Almost exactly, to remodel your kitchen. And right. I think it was within a month or two months that you told me your granddaughter had a diagnosis, right? I think it was yes. very early on. And, um, and so we never really got to move forward with that. So can you share a little bit about kind of what has happened to your family since then? And, and kind of, you know, share what's, what's gone on with Aria. Okay. So, um, I'll probably get a little emotional. Um, Aria was born, uh, June 21st in, uh, 2021. She was my daughter's first child. And, you know, of course, we were all ecstatic. Um, She started, um, they came home for a wedding in October. My daughter lives in Charlotte, and I live in Wilmington, North Carolina. We're about three and a half hours away. They came home for a wedding in October. um, And they almost had to turn around because Aria wouldn't stop crying in her car seat. They were like, I thought it was just she didn't like a car seat. But... um, Like she cried the whole three and a half hours Mm. here. Um, So they were here that weekend. You know, of course, they had to go back Um, through October and November. She would have periods where she was um, fine. I mean, she felt fine. And then there would be short periods where she was real cranky. Um, She wouldn't eat great. Um, And she. They couldn't really console her, but they didn't really notice any of this until her diagnosis. Looking back, it was easier to see than it was, you know, prior to her diagnosis. Um, We had another wedding uh, in Atlanta. My daughter was in it. Um, All her friends were getting married and, you know, it's that time for them. So they went to Atlanta. We went to Atlanta and Aria stayed with her other grandparents in Mooresville, North Carolina, outside of Charlotte. And they called on um, Saturday and said they could not get Aria um, 
to stop crying that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so they left that Sunday. They went home. Monday, Rachel had her to the doctor. Um, her white count was elevated. He put her on antibiotics. Um, you know, there was nothing like her throat wasn't red. Her ears weren't really red. Hmm. So um, that was that. So she got put on antibiotics. Well, the next day, her pediatrician called my daughter and said that he had woken up at like three o'clock in the morning. He couldn't get Aria off his mind. Um, and that he wanted to run some more tests. And he was like, I can send you around to all the different clinics. Um, he said, but if it was my daughter, I'd just put her in the hospital overnight, let us do everything there. Hmm. Um, and then that way you're not, you know, driving all over Charlotte. So they decided to do that. Um, that was on a Tuesday, he called her. So they went into the hospital Tuesday night. They did all the testing and a bunch of stuff. Um, some on Tuesday evenings and then through the day on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, um, I guess they had gotten the diagnosis in the morning, but they didn't tell us. They told me to go up to Mooresville to Mike's parents' house. They were like, we're just sitting in the hospital waiting around. No, you know, no reason for you to sit here with us. So go up there and you all have Thanksgiving and then, you know, we'll give you a call. So we did that. And I knew something was up. Um, I mean, I've lost a dad and a sister to cancer. And I just, I mean, I kind of, I don't know why, but I just had a gut feeling by the way she looked in the dark circles. And um, Mm. anyway, we got the call and I'll never forget it. Mike, who is my son-in-law, said, he goes, are you guys sitting down? And we all lied and said yes. (laughs) And he goes, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And then he told us that she had leukemia. Well, so um, that was on Thanksgiving Day of 2021. She was five months old. Oh, that's so tough to hear. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, wow. I mean, I know you guys have been fighting this for basically almost a year, right? I mean, after that diagnosis, I know you guys were aggressively, the whole family jumping on it and really doing everything for her. And just, she was, she's such a little fighter. I mean, just like her pictures, her spirit, like, I mean, she was like a 30 year old woman in a baby's body. (laughs) You know, know, it's funny. Her nurses, her nurses said the same thing. Yeah. Her nurses Uh, were like, it's like having a supervisor in here, keeping us on our toes. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we don't need to go into the whole last, like, you know, nine to 12 months that you guys have been through with your whole entire family. But I just have to say like the strength of your family, of your daughter and your son-in-law and just everybody pulling together for her. I mean, what was that? what was that experience like just even as a family? Like, I feel like it literally brought you guys even closer together. Well, both of our families individually are close. Yeah. Um, family units. And, you know, when Aria was born, um, I mean, when the kids got, when the kids got married, you know, we all came together and I mean, it was clear that our families just got along, you know, wonderfully. And then when Aria was born, 
it was even more so. And then after the diagnosis, it was, okay, all hands on deck. This is what we've got to do. Um, Kim, her other grandmother and I pretty much just stopped everything. And I went to Charlotte and stayed with Rachel and Mike at their house. Kim was about 40 minutes away north of Charlotte and Mooresville. And we just were at the hospital every day um, with Aria, Mike, and Rachel. There at the time were both pharmacists for Walgreens. Mm -hmm. Um, Rachel tried to take FMLA. Um, Mike continued to work. He took a couple weeks off, but he continued to work. I mean, he went back to work in December. Yeah. And um, Walgreens denied Rachel's FMLA because she had had it while she had Aria. So Walgreens ended up terminating Rachel. Um, And we just, they just, their sole focus was on Aria. Um, They were amazingly strong. I mean, I look back and I'm like, my daughter and son-in-law were so strong. Mike was more of a realist. Um, Initially, when we got the diagnosis, you know, they thought it was um, ALL. And she didn't, you know, have this gene mutation that would have made it um, the worst kind of ALL. Well, then they did genome testing um, on Aria, Rachel, and Mike. And it came back that Aria didn't have ALL. She had AMKL, acute megakaroblastic leukemia, and she had a gene mutation that made her odds of survival only about 8%. Wow. Yeah. So our goal was just to fight and fight and fight and keep fighting and um, making sure she was happy and loved and comfortable. And no matter where we were, that that her comfort and her happiness were all of our priority. Yeah. So can you tell me about like this, the strategy or like how you guys came up with, I know you guys did quite a few you know, quite a few activities with her and like did stuff with her and like, I mean, did, did so many things in, in that time of period of time. Right. Like, how did you guys come up with the things that you did? I mean, we, we, um, she was in the hospital. Her treatment was 239 days long. And Mm. of those 239 days, she was in the hospital 167 days. Um, and when she was home, she uh, was neutropenic, meaning she had no immune system. So they really couldn't go and do anything with her because of the chance of infection. Um, the things that they did with her, they did after they were moved to palliative care. Oh, God. Um, but the things in the hospital, her other grandfather, Rick, um, you know, we were this, and this was all during COVID. So yeah, I know. <laughs> it was limited, you know, yeah. limited. At first, it was like only two people in the room. We had to switch out. They wouldn't let us be in the room at the same time if we were switching out. They soon relaxed that for us because they realized that we were all going to be, you know, be there supporting yeah. Rachel and Mike as far as Kim and, you know, Kim and I. So yeah. they would let, Kim and Rachel and Mike and I be, you know, up there at the same time. Um, but it was, uh, so all the normal activities that like St. Jude's usually has for kids, 
you know, they didn't have any of that. So as far like for Christmas, Rick dressed up as Santa Claus, her other granddad, um, and he was Santa Claus. Yeah. And when Easter came around, he was the Easter bunny. Um, so we just tried to keep that kind of stuff, you know, what she would have experienced if she was home. We yeah. didn't celebrate Christmas until she actually got home in January and um, it snowed the night before. So Ari had a white Christmas. I don't know anybody in North Carolina who's ever had a white Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I love, there's a beautiful photo of her, your daughter and Mike holding her. And she is just like, her smile is so big, right? It's just so cute. And I think that was during winter. I feel like that was, might've been during that uh, holiday yeah. break. It's just so lovely. Like her spirit just shines out of her eyes. She was amazing. Yeah. yeah. She was happy. Um, and I think, and I, and I say this all the time. I mean, she just had all of us, when we were there, we were so present in yeah. our time with her. We didn't look ahead. We didn't look back. We just stayed very mindful of the moment that we were in with her and enjoyed it. And yeah. her nurses, um, you know, they came in and did, you know, did their jobs, but they too, um, if they had spare time, they would come back in the room and they would be playing with Aria. She got so much love yeah. from everyone. And I mean, I honestly think all of that love is what made her spirit so joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she definitely was a very lucky girl in that aspect. Right. So yeah. that brings us to the, you know, the hardest part, which is last month she passed away. Um, in August, August 1st. Oh yeah, yeah we're in August September. So, yeah, last month. Yeah, last month. I know. And I just remember watching all the time and effort you guys were putting into her and just thinking, oh gosh, like what a lucky girl to have such a wonderful, you know, family around her. And um, what a loss, you know. And I didn't even know her. And that's how I feel. Um we, when she went into palliative care, it was before her first birthday and they were trying to get um, compassionate approval from a drug company for this drug that is in trial for um, ovarian cancer. It's only a phase one trial. Yeah. Um, but there's also a doctor in Seattle who is... Um, I think he's with Seattle Children's, but he does research for a privately funded clinic um, or lab in Seattle. And he had used this drug um, on 10 kids with favorable outcomes. Mm. Um, one little girl, I guess it wasn't really a favorable outcome. She responded to the drug, but then she passed away because she got an infection and she passed away from pneumonia. But nine out of the 10 made it to bone marrow transplant. Um, so they did get approval. Um, we had Aria's birthday on the 25th of June. Um, you know, my husband, we had family come in from, you know, Boston, Ohio, and, um, it was just like our immediate family and, um, they had gotten, they'd gotten the approval, I think the Thursday or Friday before, I think maybe the Friday before. So they were overnighting the drug 
on Monday and she would have her first infusion on Tuesday. But at that time, we didn't even know she was going to make it till Tuesday. She did. And they gave her the first dose. And at that time, it was every 21 days she would have this dose. Yeah. Um, She responded really, really well to it. I mean, like July 4th, you would have never even known she was sick. She it was I mean, the turnaround was amazing. And then, but it was 21, it had to wait 21 days. She'd gotten it, um, I think, I can't remember the day. It may have been like June 23rd, she got her first dose. So they had to wait the 21 days. Well, on day 17, you know, and they were going, when they were home, they would go to the St. Jude's Clinic in Charlotte, um, which luckily was only like two miles from their house. Um, and they would have all their blood work and, you know, do all our counts and stuff twice a week. Well, they had gone in that Friday and her counts had started to go up pretty substantially. Mm-hmm. Um, they got the drug in on Monday or on Tuesday, the following Tuesday, and they had gotten two doses because they had, the company had agreed to go ahead and send two doses. And the doctor in Seattle had said, you know, push her dosing 14 days apart versus the 21. So they did that. She continued to go in for blood work. What they didn't realize is that the one gene mutation that makes her cancer so very rare, the drug had completely obliterated that those cells that had that gene mutation, but her cancer had mutated into another mutation they'd never seen. And there was, at that point, there was nothing they could do. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. She was moved into hospice. And so was she at home with you guys when she passed? No, she was home. Um, she was home through the end. Um, I'm going to say not the very end of July, but let me, I can look at my calendar. You're, you're so good with dates. <laughs> she. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I I'm a retired probation officer, well, so it's like dates that's and true. numbers. And you're a realtor. You're 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 a very successful well, realtor, that, so you're very good <laughs> with dates and timing. Yeah. So um, she had been home, it, and I I came home. Like she had been home, and I had been home with them. And she was doing so well. It was a Monday, and I told Rach, I'm like, Rach, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to run home because we've got three lunatic dogs that rescues that are. just crazy. And I was, I'm like, I'm going to relieve my next door neighbors of the dogs for a couple days and then I'll be back. So I came home on Monday, the 18th, or no, Monday, the 25th of July on the 26th, she called me, they had gone into the clinic and she said that um, she called me and she said, we're going to hospice house. She said, we can't, get Aria's pain under control with the morphine pump. Hmm. So I turned around and got back in my car and went and they um, Tuesday night went back to the hospital because they could not, they couldn't get her pain under control. So she had to be in the hospital. Um, So they added morphine and then they added, I think some of dilated or something, something else to it. So she was getting two pain, management medications. Yeah. Um, and from that point on, she was just in the hospital and her refractory, she had refractory disease, which makes her very hard to treat. 
And it also made her very hard to maintain her pain and um, manage her pain. So they were constantly having to change the pain medicine until finally they moved her into the PICU and put her on fentanyl and um, something else, dilated, I think. Yeah. So the end was very hard. She was yeah. in a lot of pain. Oh. And Gosh, she was probably in a lot of pain, not that level, but I mean, through her whole treatment, but she really didn't know anything other than that, because I think she had probably had this since birth. Yeah. So she always had some form of bone pain, probably. Mm. Hence the crying when she was in her car seat and laying on her back. Yeah. Well, so. I'm, I'm just so thankful she was with all of you guys and just, you know, so much love and attention and affection that, you know, <laughs> It, it clearly helped in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, just thank God she was born into your family and your <laughs> daughter and son-in-law. I mean, they're just incredibly strong. Like, my God. Um, well, I told my daughter that I'm like, you know, and, you know, they're both, they're very angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I told her, I said, Rachel, God chose you to be her mom because he knew that you were strong enough to get her through this, no matter what the destination was going to be. Yeah. And she, they're, um, they're both like warriors. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Both of them, you know? Oh. Yeah. Incredible, incredible parents. Yeah. And they advocated for Aria throughout the, the whole journey. And um, I can't, I mean, I can't say enough good things about the doctors. At St. Jude's, I don't know if y'all are aware, but St. Jude's has affiliate clinics throughout the United States. We didn't know that until, unfortunately, we had to yeah. have Aria admitted into one. Um, and they also have affiliate hospitals throughout the world. Um, yeah. But the doctors, she had a team of seven. Um, she had one, one primary doctor and the weekend that he was on was his first weekend and Aria was his first patient Wow, at St. Jude's. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal people, the nurses, the doctors, the CNAs, everyone just incredible. Yeah. Well, and I've supported St. Jude's for years and, and that's part of why we wanted to do, you know, this very difficult episode was just try to, share what you guys are doing as a family, what your daughter's doing, all the things you're trying to do to continue to continue, continue Aria's legacy and, you know, help the next family, right. That this, this, this happens to and continue to do research so that this just eventually does not ever happen to a young, like an infant, right. A little baby. Right. Um, so how did, I mean, I know you guys have done one, one, uh, like, um, I don't know what you like where people are donating. Right. But you have another one coming up in October. And I yeah, know that I did one for my birthday um, okay. back in April. I did a, I did a walk. Um, I had to walk a hundred miles. Yeah. Um, which my husband thought was hysterical because I hate to walk. Unless that's it's on that's the a beach. pretty long damn way actually. <laughs> <laughs> but in a yeah. month, it wasn't so bad, but and okay. I tried to do a lot of my miles on the beach because it made it much more pleasant. Yeah. Cause yeah. It's just, walking is like watching paint dry to me. 
Right. Um, yeah. But I want to want to tell you guys a little bit about Aria. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. you can get a sense of who she was and yeah. what she went through. Um, St. Jude's um, partners with a group called um, Beads of Courage. And so for each procedure, each blood draw, each anything that has to do with her treatment, she would get a different color bead. So Aria had over three pounds of beads and a huge clump, and they, and they turn them into necklaces. Wow. And what they signified was she had 167 overnight stays, 30 clinic visits, 188 days of blood draws, 171 days of IV infusions, 66 days of chemotherapy, 63 blood transfusions, 36 dressing changes, which were horrendous, 14 sedations, and 171 days of isolation. And through all of that, she smiled and she laughed and she was just, I don't know how to say it other than she was pure joy. She was pure joy to everyone who met her. Um, she just made the day easier to deal with because she was so daggone happy all the time, unless she was really, really, really sick um, and in pain from the bone pain, which was really not that often until the end. Yeah. So she, um, the nurses were like, we're not allowed to have favorites, but she's our favorite. <laughs> I mean, her doctor, she's like, we're not supposed to have favorites, but they all came and visited Aria when they, when she's they had our favorite. time. Yeah. They would come from the clinic, even if they didn't have, they, they did the hospital like a week at a time. So one doctor would be in the hospital all week and the clinic was right across the street. Well, um, Dr. McDaniels, who I called Dancing Jenny, um, she, would come over every day. She didn't care if she had clinic or not. She was over there to see Aria every day. And I mean, all of them did would pop back and forth, even if they weren't at the hospital to see her because she was just so happy. And they said that she just made their days easier. Yeah. And that's just, that's just who she was. She was strong and fierce and happy and loving. She loved strawberries and avocado. <laughs> and she loved the hospital tilapia. Loved it. Tilapia. I love things, it. The hospital tilapia. Yep. Yep. So that's her for yeah, nutshell. I love it. Well, she's obviously was like a little warrior, just like her mom and dad and the rest yeah. of you. I mean, it's pretty obvious that she was just a very, very special spirit who I'm sure is looking down on everybody right now, right? And yeah. Um, yeah. And so Tell us, I'm just, yeah, we're going to, we're going to keep her on. She'll be on this episode. People can listen to her and not forget her and remember how amazing she was. Um, tell us about, I know you have, um, your daughter's working on a nonprofit. So I really want people to be able to donate and support what, what, what your daughter's moving forward with. And I think that's coming out in October, I believe. Um, well, I'm not sure when they're actually coming out the nonprofit. What we're doing right now, St. Jude's has a walk run. Um, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So throughout the United States and I'm sure other areas of the world, um, they have a fundraiser. It's a um, 5K walk run. Um, And so my daughter is the team captain and um, our goal was $20,000. We met that goal and she has now upped that goal. 
Um, and we are all convening in Charlotte, uh, October 1st. All of our friends are coming in, all of our families going, um, all of Mike's families going to be there. And we are all each individually um, raising money, but part of the team, but it goes towards the team goal, um, right. raising money for St. Jude's because when they say St. Jude, when St. Jude says that you don't pay a dime, you don't pay a dime. I mean, yeah, um, it's incredible. And they follow these kids. I mean, not Aria, obviously, but any child that is diagnosed with cancer, even if they are cured, they are followed by St. Jude's until they are 18 years old, 18 years old. Really? All of their medical costs, no matter what. what? Okay. I did not. For. I did not know that. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's because a cool. lot of these kids who go through, like if Aria had managed to get to um, remission and then bone marrow transplant, which is what their goal was, um, the drugs that she was on, they damage your heart, they damage your liver, they damage your kidneys. Um, most of these kids that go through this type of chemo will have other illnesses and a lot, some of them severe down the road. Right. So, yeah. So they follow these kids until they're 18 and all of their medical care is paid for. Wow. That's incredible. Well, so we will, we will put a link um, in the show notes for the community to help out with your family and with St. Jude's and in her honor and just, you know, help the next family that this unfortunately might happen to and just support St. Jude's who's doing just incredible work, right? Like, just financially to not have to worry about that on top of the whole emotional burden that you guys are, you know, under, right? Like that's incredible. It allows the parents to focus solely on their child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really is amazing. Um, and Mike and Rach, they're both, well, I, I said they're both pharmacists. Rachel now, um, she was hired by the hospital that Aria was in to work in their oncology infusion clinic in December. So it was a blessing in disguise that she was let go from Walgreens because of Aria's illness, because it got her into a position that she had always wanted to do when she left pharmacy school. Right. Um, But Mike had gotten a job in Charlotte and it would have meant Rachel having to stay in Chapel Hill and do her residency there. So she just followed Mike and went to Charlotte, but her goal is to work in oncology, um, research for pediatrics. Yeah. And um, so getting into the infusion clinic at the hospital and they knew everything that was going on with Aria and hired her as, you know, they're like, you can come in whenever you want. Um, We, you know, what's going on. I mean, they, they were wonderful. So with that said, um, Aria, I mean, Mike and Rachel, uh, Rachel's best friend had started to go fund me for them when all this started and they didn't touch any of the money. So um, they opened up the GoFundMe back up. They're starting a nonprofit um, with that money. And what they want to do is help families fill the holes that they saw when they were there. Um, she said a lot of it will be um, more, I guess, along the lines of helping parents understand the medicine aspect of what's going on. Right. Um, because the doctors, 
I mean, they, they know about the medicine, but they don't, I mean, you know, they have six months of pharmacology in, in school. So they don't really know the long-term toxic effects. I mean, they know what they read, but yeah, um, there's a lot more like Rachel and Mike knew a lot more. Even the doctors would sometimes ask them, you know, do you want to do this drug or this drug? Which one do you think has less severe, you know, long-term effects? Right. right. And so they want to start a nonprofit to fill the gaps in what the hospital couldn't fill, what St. Jude's couldn't fill um, for parents and families. Yeah. So that's what they'll be doing. They've got an attorney to start their nonprofit. Um, a friend of hers, the law firm she works for, um, has, is going to do a pro bono for, the, for them. Um, I think they're going to call it Aria's Pride um, in Aria's celebration of life, my other granddaughter, Catherine, had spoke and she talked about Aria and Aria's name meant fierce lioness. Yes. <laughs> so um, they came up with the name Aria's Pride. So I think that's going to be it for the nonprofit. But I don't know how long all of that takes to get set up. Yeah. Um, so right now we're just focusing on St. Jude's. Yeah. Well, that's OK. Well, we'll we'll track it. And when it comes out, we'll support it. And uh, I just think it's so interesting that your daughter and Aria are both like fierce lionesses because I don't know that I would have had the strength to go back and work, you know, in a hospital dealing with it after I just lost my daughter. I mean, that's just, an, I just, I can't imagine the pride you feel in your daughter, yeah. the strength that would take to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. she, you know. um, there's an organization in Charlotte called Claire's Army and they, um, and they do the same thing. They're kind of there for the, for the families. And like when she was first diagnosed and they were in the hospital, like they provided bags with everything you could possibly need for like three night hospital stay. Yeah. Um, and then they provide dinner Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night from different restaurants in Charlotte and a volunteer brings them up to the floor and, you know, delivers and it's a family meal. So their thing was to get yeah. families together so they could have a normal family dinner together. So Rachel has started delivering meals back up on the second floor um, for the St. Jude's families. And um, she said, I mean, it's bittersweet, but she said it also, um, it just warms her heart to see, you know, see everybody again and talk with families. And it kind of brings her closer to Aria. Like it's, it's what Aria would do. Like, yeah, it sounds like they're both incredibly strong, like just personalities, like, you know, I mean, just selfless, basically. Wow. Well, I, I know just, my daughter's selfless, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I mean, selfless, but <laughs> she is well, very strong. She's stubborn. She's yeah. incredibly intelligent, hard headed. Um, yeah. She just, well, she never quits. Yeah, that strength is going to get her through. Um, Well, and your strength for sharing this. I mean, this is just, we recognize the very sensitive, you know, very tender moment. And thank you for having the um, openness to share this with our community, which are 99% mamas and grandmothers, right? (laughs) Who want to support. And uh, we would love to help support your family and the St. Jude family and just celebrate Aria and just what a fierce little warrior she was, right? I mean, yep. there's there's no way she's going to be forgotten. No, no. We will uh, 
continue her legacy by doing good deeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lori, for, for sharing her story and um, for being open and, um, you know, just know that there's a lot of people out there that really care about you guys and what you're going through. And I know this episode will touch a lot of women and um, they will want to help. I know that they, you, their hearts will be with you guys. I know for sure. Thank you. Thanks, Camille, for having me and giving me a platform to talk about my sweet little granddaughter. Yeah. We love you, Aria, out there. You love you, doodlebug. <laughs> doodlebug. All right, ladies. Well, you've heard it. We're going to put some links in the show notes and please go and support this lovely family and St. Jude's, the St. Jude's family to help, you know, another family this might happen to. And um, we will all be thinking of dear, sweet Aria for a very long time. Thank you, Camille.